welcome to Dark and Creepy, creepy Things with Frank and Scout. Yay! Mm, not and. Mm. And mm. Scout. I'm, and. I'm Frank. I'm Scout. I have Jet's tail wagging on me. Hello, Jet. We have Jet and we have Xander again. Hi. <laughs> we may. Xander's or... just like sitting in the um, makeshift recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're writing us a review. Yay! Yay. <laughs> So we may or may not have recorded this one directly after the last one. Oh, well. <laughs> this one, what we used to do. Yeah. Um, your tissue is underneath you. I know. I'm going to get it after okay. I finish. You're getting sick, aren't you? Uh, the plague. I've got the plague. Everyone else is in the, is in the sick. Is in the sick? Everyone else... No, Xander's still not, not in me. the sick. Yeah. yeah. Everyone, Everyone else in the house has been a sick like a week before, before I did. Yeah, it'd be literally a week tomorrow morning. Yeah. And I got sick. What was I going to say? Okay, it's my, um, it's my turn. Thanks, patrons. Oh, yeah. Thank you, patrons. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you should listen to us because <laughs> we're better than scrolling social media. <laughs> Alrighty. What do you got? It's, it's Frank's turn. turn. So, I follow this page on Facebook. I think it's called The Infographics Show. Yes. Which they do really interesting infographic videos. I finally liked that today. Not yeah. because you tagged me, but because it came up on my feed because oh. you were talking about it. Going, <laughs> you have been interested in blah, blah, blah. How ah. about giving them a like? And I'm like, oh, there we go. Yeah. Anyway, and they have really interesting videos. And the one that they brought up is this thing called Leb- Lebs- Lebensborn. 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 So, Lebensborn, literally meaning fount of life. What? A fount of life, as in fountain of okay. life, was an SS-initiated, state-supported, registered association in Nazi Germany with the goal of raising the birth rate of Aryan children of persons classified as racially pure and healthy based on Nazi racial hygiene and health ideology. All of that was one sentence, by the way. Well, that needs some editing. <laughs> but yes, essentially Lebensborn was a program that tried to introduce and increase the number of Aryan children. Yeah. So, essentially, eugenics at work. Yeah. Yeah. Which... We, I mean, eugenics is interesting, <laughs> terrible, but interesting. Anyway, thought you were going to say terrifying. That too. Yeah. But anyway, we'll go into this. This is really interesting. Lebensborn provided welfare to its mostly mostly unmarried mothers, encouraged anonymous births by unmarried children at their maternity homes, and mediated adoption of these children by likewise racially pure and healthy parents, particularly SS members and their families. The cross of honour of the German mother was given to the women who bore the most Aryan children. Abortion was legalised by the Nazis for disabled children, but strictly punished otherwise. So this was formed in 1935, which was four years before war. Because war was 39. I I remember 1935. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, crap. And apparently 8,000 people were part of this in 1939. Wow. So there's a lot of people. Yeah. Initially set up in Germany in 1935, Lebensborn expanded into several occupied European countries with Germanic populations during the Second World War. It was introduced, it included the selection of racially worthy orphans for adoption and care for children born from Aryan women who had been in relationships with SS members. 
It originally excluded children born from unions between common soldiers and foreign women because there was no proof of racial purity on both sides. Mm -hmm. During the war, many children were kidnapped from their parents and judged by Aryan criteria for their suitability to be raised in Lebensborn homes and fostering by German families. At the Nuremberg trials, which we have spoken yes, about many times about before, yeah. much direct evidence was found of the kidnapping of children by Nazi Germany across Greater Germany during the period of 1939 to 1945. Okay. Apparently it stands, um, it, the real name is Lebensborn EV, and EV stands for <laughs> Regine Verin or Registered Association. Okay. I'm trying to speak German. I can probably get squishy to say this in German. Meaning Fount of Life was founded on the 12th of December 1935 to counteract failing birth rates in Germany and to promote Nazi eugenics. Mm. Eugenics meaning essentially looking for killing some people or not allowing the births of some people to create a racially pure race yeah to so for nazi germany that were people who were blonde haired blue eyed long scandinavian arms and legs tall thin that sort of thing yeah which if you think about it right which is like the opposite of jewish 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 heritage yeah if you think about it it's stupid because hitler was none of those things yeah he was not one haired or blue eyed no which is really it's re- really stupid yeah but anyway um located in munich the organization was partly an office within this schutzstaffel <laughs> or the ss schutzstaffel responsible for certain family welfare programs and partly a society for Nazi leaders. On the 13th of September 1936, Heinrich Himmler wrote to the following members of the SS. SS. The organisation serves the SS leaders in the selection and adoption of qualified children. The the organisation is under my personal direction, is part of the Race and Settlement Central Bureau of the SS and has the following obligations. 1. Support racially, biologically, and hereditary valuable families with many children. Valuable families. Yeah, how do they... How do you... How do you you gauge that? Yeah. Placement and care of racially, biologically, and hereditary valuable pregnant women who, after thorough investigation of their and the progenitors' families by the Race and Settlement Central Bureau of the SS, can be expected to produce equally valuable children. Three, care for the children. Fucked. Four, care for the children's mothers. It is the honourable duty of all leaders of the Central Bureau to become members of the organisation. The application must be filled in prior to the 23rd of September 1936. In 1939, membership stood at 8,000, of which 3,500 were SS leaders. The Lebensborn office was part of the SS, I'm not going to try and say this in German, but SS Race and Settlement Main Office until 1938, when it was transferred to personal staff of the Reichsführer SS, i.e. directly overseen by Himmler. Leaders of Lebensborn were SS Standenterführer Max Solman and SS Oberführer Dr. Gregor Ebner. 
Regal. <laughs> Implementation. Initially, the program served as a welfare institution for wives of SS officers. The organization ran facilities, primarily maternity homes, where women could give birth or help get help with family matters. The program also accepted unmarried women who were either pregnant or had already given birth and were in need of aid, provided that both the woman and the father of the child were classified as racially valuable. About 60% of the mothers were unmarried. The program allowed them to give birth secretly away from home without social stigma. In the case the mothers wanted to give up the children, the program also had orphanages and an adoption service. When dealing with non-SS members, parents and children were usually examined by SS doctors before admission. The first Lebensborn home, known as Heim Hochland, opened in 1936 in Steinhoring, a tiny village not far from Munich. The first home outside of Germany opened in Norway in 1949. 41, sorry. Many of these facilities were established in confiscated houses or former nursing homes owned by Jews. Leaders of the League of German Girls were instructed to recruit young women with the potential of becoming good breeding partners with SS officers. So the, I, I, in the video about this, the League of German Girls was essentially the female, like the slightly older female version of Hitler Youth. Yeah. So thinking like, like 20s, yeah. like 20 year old women, this mm-hmm. is the equivalent of Hitler Youth. For that age group and yeah. that, that particular because you think about 20 year old men will go into the army yeah how are the 20 year old women going to contribute to their society yeah right yeah while Lebensborn, yeah while Lebensborn established facilities in several occupied countries its activities were concentrated around germany norway and occupied east northeastern europe mainly poland the main focus in occupied Norway was aiding children born to Norwegian women and fathered by German, German soldiers. In northeastern Europe, the organization, in addition to services provided by the SS, engaged in the transfer of children, mostly orn- orn- orphans, to families in Germany. Lebensborn had or planned to have facilities in the following countries. Some were merely field officers, though. <laughs> Germany, Austria, Poland, Norway, Denmark, France, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. Wow. And it's got like the numbers of how many they were gonna have. Around 8,000 children were born in Lebensborn homes in Germany between and between 8,000 and 12,000 in Norway. Wow. Elsewhere, the total number of births was much lower. So for more information about Lebensborn in Norway, see the article, War Children. Wow. <laughs> In Norway, the Lebensborn organization handled approximately 250 adoptions. Most of these cases, the mothers had agreed to the adoption, but not all were informed that their children would be sent to Germany for adoption. Mm. The Norwegian government recovered all but 80 of these children after the war. So 80 weren't recovered, but the other 270 were. Mm. So 170 were. Germanization. In 1939, the Nazis decided to kidnap children from foreign countries, mainly from Yugoslavia and Poland, but also including Russia, the Ukraine, Czechoslovakia, Romania, Estonia, Latvia, and Norway for the Lebensborn program. They decided to do this because it is our duty to take the children with us to remove them from their environment. Either we win over any good blood that we can use for ourselves and give it a place in our people, or we destroy this blood, Himmler reportedly said. 
The Nazis would seize children in full view of the parents. The kidnapped no. children were administered several tests and characterized into three groups. Those considered desirable to be included in the German population. Those who were acceptable. And, and the unwanted. Jeez. The children classified unwanted. That was the one. Acceptable. Desirable, acceptable, unwanted. That's interesting. The German, the children classified as unwanted were taken to concentration camps to work or were killed. And the children from the other groups, if between the ages of two and six, were placed with families in the program to be brought up by them in a kind of foster child status. Children of ages six to 12 were placed in German boarding schools. The schools assigned to the children new German names and taught them to be proud to be part of Germany. This reminds me a little bit of like our stolen generation as well. It is a little bit. Yeah, stripped of their culture and given yeah. white names, compromised names and yeah. yeah. It is and a taken in front of their families. Yeah, too. it is yeah. a little bit like that. Mm. They forced the children to forget their birth parents yeah. and erased any record of their ancestry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Those who resisted Germanization were beaten, and if a child continued to rebel, he or she would be sent to a concentration camp. Yeah. In the final stages of the war, the files of all children kidnapped for the program were destroyed. As a result, researchers have found it nearly impossible to learn how many children were taken. <laughs> the Polish government has claimed that 10,000 children were kidnapped, and less than 15% were returned to their biological parents. Other estimates include numbers as high as 200,000, although according to Dirk Moses, I don't, I don't know who that is, a more likely number is around 20,000. Mm. Post-war. After the war, the branch of the Lebensborn organization operating in northeastern Europe was accused of kidnapping children deemed racially valuable in order to resettle them with German families. However, of approximately 10,000 foreign-born children located after the war in the American-controlled area of Germany, in the trial of the leaders of the Lebensborn organization, the court found that 350 had been handled by the Lebensborn. The accused were acquitted on charges of kidnapping. The court found ample evidence of an existing program of the kidnapping or forced movement of children in Northeast Europe, but concluded that these activities were carried out by individuals who were not members of the Lebensborn. Exactly how many children were moved or by Lebensborn or other organisations remains unknown due to the destruction of archives by SS members prior to fleeing the advancing Allied forces. I'll just skip this bit about the tram skip because it was boring. Okay. <laughs> Treatment of children. After the after Germany surrendered, the press reported on unusually good on the unusually good weight and health of the super babies. Wow. They spent time outdoors in sunlight and received two baths a day. Everything that came into contact with the babies was disinfected first. Jeez. Nurses ensured. Hold on, hold on. But what is that going to do for their like? Yeah, assistance? right. Yeah. People like yeah, that's the same thing I say about now. Very sick children. And nowadays they say that people don't get that people are getting asthma and allergies more so because mm. they're not letting kids play in dirt. Mm-hmm. Probably came from a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. Nurses ensured the children ate everything given to them. That's a bit weird. <laughs> to fatten them up. Until the last days of the war, the mothers and the children at maternity homes got the best treatment available, including food, although others in the area were starving. 
Once the war ended, local communities often took revenge on the women, beating them, cutting off their hair, and running them out of the community. Many Lebanese-born children were born to unwed mothers. After the war, Lebanese-born survivors were often subjected to ostracization. Himmler's effort to secure a racially pure Greater Germany, sloppy journalism on the subject, as well as Nazi ideology retained by some led to persistent false assumptions about the program. The main misconception, perpetuated by Nazi sympathizers as a straw man, was that the program involved coercive breeding. Mm. The first stories reporting that Lebensborn was a coercive breeding program can be found in the German magazine Review, which ran a series on the subject in the 50s. The program did not intend to promote the growth of Aryan populations through encouraging relationships between German soldiers and Nordic women in occupied countries. Access to Lebensborn was restricted in accordance with the Nordicist eugenic and racial policies of Nazism, which could be referred to as supervised selective breeding. (laughs) Supervised selective breeding. Recently discovered reports and ongoing testimony of Lebensborn children and some of their parents shows that some SS men did sire children in Himmler's Lebensborn program. This was widely rumoured within Germany during the period of the program. The breeding program kind of reminds me of the Handsmaid Tale. Handsmaid's Tale. Yeah. So the the this very interesting because in the video that I saw online about this, it was essentially saying that these women were recruited from yeah. the women of Germany or whatever the hell that thing was, and taken to these maternity homes, yeah. which they would then choose a breeding partner and essentially have these babies so and then weird. give the baby to the Führer. Yeah. And that was your job. You gifted your baby to the Führer. Yeah. And I just found it so interesting. I was like, I can't believe this stuff actually existed. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. It's like, it's like what the fuck? Um, and it's interesting how all these kidnappings was part of it too. Yeah. That's not something that I... Yeah not something that I had heard of before and it just it just adds to the whole narrative of what people do in war mm. and in particular yeah. what the Nazis did yeah because like people say and that's the thing I've heard lots about like many of the war crimes involving experimentation yeah but they did so many other weird things they're just like put their fingers in all the pies about all the <laughs> awful things that people can do. Pretty much, yeah. We've read about stuff like that yeah. before. About, especially when it came to like times when you could do scientific experiments, yeah. experiments without ethical consideration. Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to see what happens if I do this. And, yeah. yeah, and we've also got to remember that I was thinking about this the other day. The Nazis weren't the only one who would do it. No, I was literally about to say that it wasn't just the Nazis doing that. Everyone who could do that did. Yeah. Like, remember we were reading about... The Japanese did it. Yeah, I remember we were reading about, like, brain transplants and stuff. Yeah. And, like, just like, ooh, I wonder if this person would exist if we remove their brain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. they didn't. Oops. <laughs> well, also thinking about... Yeah, my bad. Give also me another thinking one. about concentration camps. Like, everyone knows about Auschwitz and... Yeah. And, um, so Birkenau and all the German concentration camps. But there's other ones. Yeah. But you've got to also remember that 
the Americans were just as bad. Yeah. They incarcerated hundreds and thousands of of Japanese people as well during World War Two. Because yeah, but like like I've always said to you, like America controls most of the media, especially yeah. that we see in Australia. So of what? course they're not, of course they're going to re- only report on. Oh, look at the Nazis! That was what's, so bad. What's the what's the saying? Only the victor writes the history on war or something. Yeah, it's something like that. There's a saying that says basically. Only whoever the people... Wins. Whoever wins. Right, to the history. Exactly. So in other words, the Germans... If the Germans had won, we would have a very different view on history. Yeah. Very different. For sure. And I also think it's the modern form of money as well. True. Right, history. True. Germany was very rich. Until no, the war. but... Yeah, and then America was rich, and they continued to be, and that's... Which was also... That's, which that's who tells our history. Can I just have a rant about that for a sec? No. <laughs> The only I think, reason I, don't, I, don't, I think there needs to be a oh, I'm, I'm gonna insert a sound effect here. <laughs> Frank like, rant time. Frank rant time. Okay, <laughs> the only reason that America got out so good in World War Two, originally they wanted to have nothing to do with it. They weren't yeah. involved in they World War Two really from late. the beginning. They got in late, probably in like nineteen forty three or something. I don't know the exact time, but yeah. at least a few years yeah. into the war. Right? And the only reason was because the Japanese had the balls to bomb Pearl Harbor. If the Japanese hadn't bombed Pearl Harbor, America would have never have gotten involved. And in reality, yeah, the Allies probably would have lost. But then then they always go on about like how they were in the war the whole time and that and that the world would have gone to shit without them and they saved the war and all this crap. And it's like, you didn't fight the first few years. If you had, it would have been a very different story. You just happened to have all the money and all the people who hadn't been fighting for the last few years. You Including still, Australia. Exactly. You still yeah. had the resources. Yeah. Australia was there from the beginning. Really? Yeah, because they went with England. Uh. But I remember, if England declares war on someone, so does Australia okay. by default. Is that because of the Queen thing? It's, yeah, we're part of the Commonwealth. Yeah. Um... But yeah, America didn't come until later. They still had the resources. They still had the money. Mm. Whereas every other country who was still involved in the war, except for Germany, was kind of exhausted for resources at that point. Yeah. It was like, you didn't... You weren't the reason the war ended the way it did. The European side of the war, like Germany and England, had been, like, six months earlier had gone, and Japan and America were still fighting it out. Mm. But yeah, like... I hate how Americans are like, we saved the war and we saved everyone. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it, doesn't. it doesn't. It doesn't. But that's it doesn't. How, that's how America is. And like, so... I'll start talking to you today about the space race as well. So and I literally said to you, the first person to walk in space passed away. And you said, Neil Armstrong. And I went, no, the person, first person who walked in space, a Russian guy. Whose name I don't know, right? which is really because, depressing. Right, because that's not what we're taught. It's not what sho- is shoved down our throats. Yeah. Literally shoved down our throats, being like, Neil Armstrong was the first man on space. No, he wasn't. He was the first man to walk foot, foot footsteps on the moon. Yeah. But he was not the first man in space. Yeah. It was, it was the Russians. Yeah. And I think people forget that... Again, then, it's just yeah. what the, the media Russian... is primarily... Western media is primarily controlled by America. And the Russians were ahead of the Americans all... Why are you looking so confused with your popcorn? <laughs> all through... <laughs> the Americans were behind Russia all through the space race up until the, up until the moon. Yeah. And that's only because... I don't know, who was the president then? Mm, JFK? No, it was before that. Sure. I mean, JFK was before that. 
He was he the president in 1966, 67? No, he's dead. He died in 63. He died in 63. Who was the who was the president who did the speech like we're not going to do this because it's easy, but we're going to do it because it's hard. Nixon. Is that Nixon? He did this whole big speech about it, and that's why the Americans got all behind it, and they were like, yes, spend this money because we want to beat the fucking Russians. But he did this speech about, like, how, like, we're not going to do it because it's easy, we're going to do it because it's hard. Yeah. And, yeah, and again, the Americans were behind Russia the entire time, and then now in, in our history, thinking about what we think about the space race, everyone goes on about how the Americans were amazing. I don't even think they did it. No yeah, but you... No. Stop yelling. We're, we are not going into that right now. Scout doesn't believe that anybody walked on No, I do. I think the Russians did. But the Americans... Stole it. They stopped... How can they suddenly go, oh, we've got it? They pick up all the technology uh, from the Russians. Whatever. They piggybacked on the Russians. Yeah, they're cheaters. And that's what, and cheaters. That's, and that's what I'm saying, is that we need to acknowledge the fact that for much of technology, it's not usually one country that does it. No. Well, it's a collective information from lots of different places. That's how science works. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> so I saw this article within that article, because we're going in a wiki hole. That's what wiki we do. Hoops, yeah. War children. Oh, yeah. I did hear you mention war children before. Yes. Oh, there's lots. This this article's massive. Okay, we're going into war children, which is the article within the Lebensborn program article. War children are those born to a native parent and a parent belonging to a foreign military force, usually an occupying force, but also military personnel stationed at military bases on foreign soil. Having a child by a member of a belligerent force throughout history (laughs) (laughs) and across cultures is often considered a grave betrayal of social values. Commonly, the native parent, usually a woman, is disowned by family, friends and society at large. The term war child is most commonly used for children born during World War II and its aftermath, particularly in relation to children born to fathers in German occupying forces in Europe. In Norway, there were also Lebensborn children. It was also applied to other situations, such as children been born following the widespread rapes during the 1971 Bangladesh atrocities associated with the War of Liberation. The discrimination suffered by the native parent and child in the post-war period did not take into account widespread rapes by occupying forces or the relationships women had to form in order to survive the war years. So, discrimination. Children with a parent who who was part of an occupying force or whose parents collaborated with enemy forces are innocent of any war crimes committed by the parents. So even if your parents were fucking assholes. Mm-hmm. Apparently you were innocent of any war crimes if your parent was a war criminal. Okay. Apparently. Yet these children have often been condemned by dissent from the enemy and discriminated against in their society. They also suffer from association with a parent whose war crimes are prosecuted prosecuted in post-war years. Such children grew to adolescence and adulthood, many harboring feelings of guilt and shame. An example are the children born during and after World War II whose fathers were military personnel in regions occupied by Nazi Germany. These children claim they lived with their identity 
in an inner exile until the 80s, when some of them officially acknowledged their status. In 1987, Bente Bleu refused anonymity. B-L-E-H-R. Bleu. Refused anonymity. An interview with her was published in Born Guilty, a collection of 12 interviews with persons whose parents had been associated with Germanic forces in occupied Norway. The first autobiography by the child of a German occupying soldier and Norwegian mother was The Boy from Gimle by Einstein Egen. He dedicated his book to all such children and it was published in Norway. During and in the aftermath of war, women who have voluntary relationships with military personnel of an occupying force have historically been censored by their own society. Women who became pregnant from such unions would often take measures to conceal the father's status and commonly chose among the following. Arranging a marriage with a local man who would take responsibility for the child. (laughs) Claiming the father was unknown, dead, or had left and bringing up the child as a single mother. Mm. Acknowledge the relationship and then bring up the child as a single mother. Acknowledge the relationship except welfare from the occupying force, such as the Lebensborn. Place the child in an orphanage or give the child up for adoption. Emigrate to the occupying country and claim that identity. And or have an abortion. After the war, it is common for both mother and child to suffer repercussions from the local population. Such repercussions were widespread throughout Europe. While many women and children suffered torture and deportation, most acts against them fell into one of the following categories. Name calling such as German whore or German kid were common labels. Isolation or harassment from local community or schools. Loss of work. Shaving the heads of the mothers, frequently done in the immediate aftermath in order to publicly identify and shame them. Temporary placement in confinement or internment camps. While repercussions were most widespread immediately after the war, sentiments against the women and their children lingered into the 50s, 60s and beyond. That's really interesting because a lot of those women probably didn't want to have the children. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, humans are awful. Pretty much. Is my take. Uh-huh. Sand is naughty. Yeah. Humans are awful. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Do you ever talk about anything that's not awful on this show? No. Uh, this is dark and creepy things. Like, right? <laughs> so, oh my god, yeah, there's a bit about LSD awful. in here. <laughs> War children of World War II. Were they drugged? We'll talk about that in a sec. Mm. Estimates of the number of war children fathered by German soldiers during World War II are difficult to gauge. Mothers tended to hide such pregnancies for fear of revenge and reprisal by male family members. Lower estimates range in the hundreds of thousands, while upper estimates are much increased into the millions. But post-war years... After the war ended, the children part of the Lebensborn program and their mothers were made outcasts by many among the general populace in formerly occupied countries as societies grieved and resented the losses of war and actively rejected anything associated with Germany. The children and their mothers were often isolated socially and many children were bullied by other children, sometimes by adults due to their origin. For instance, immediately after the peace, 14,000 women were arrested in Norway on suspicion of collaboration or association with the enemy. 
5,000 were, without any judiciary process, placed in forced labour camps for a year and a half. Again, we don't hear about this. Yeah. That people were shit (laughs) and did shitty things after the war. No, the Germans were the shit ones. Uh, Their heads were shaved and they were beaten and raped. In an interview for the Swedish newspaper Duggins Nieter, war children claimed that living at an orphanage in Bergen, they were forced as children to parade on the streets so the local population could whip them and spit at them. In a survey conducted by the Norwegian Ministry of Social Affairs, the local government in well, one... You're literally going to say the Ministry of Magic. The Ministry <laughs> of Magic! We were just watching Harry Potter. <laughs> the local government in one third... Are you oh, alright They kill me. <laughs> the local government in one third of the countries expressed an unfavourable view of the war children. The same year, the Ministry of Social Affairs briefly explored the possibility of reuniting the children with their mothers and surviving fathers in post-war Germany, but decided Decided against this. Okay. Too hard. Too hard. <laughs> They'll be alright. They'll be fine. You're right, mate. They don't need to They're find their real mothers mate. and fathers. Sure. <laughs> 500 children who were still being cared for at Lebensborn facilities at the end of the war had to leave as the homes were closed down. Some children were left to state custody during a time at which such care was marked by strict, strict rules, insufficient education, and abuse. Approximately 20 children ended up in mental institutions in 1946 due to lack of space in other institutions and unsuccessful adoption attempts. Some remained there past their 18th birthdays. Can you imagine growing up in a mental institution and you're not actually mentally ill? You'd end up thinking you would. You would? Yeah. You'd grow up thinking that... That was normal. Yeah, that's good. All the staff would probably treat you exactly the same as all the ill patients. Yeah. It makes me remember this thing that I read in, I think it was in a Frankie magazine or a Dolly magazine back when I was a teenager. Dolly? Something like that. Dolly Doctor. About this young girl. She had... About this young girl, she had a physical disability. Like, she was in a wheelchair. And she needed 24-hour care right but because there were no homes for young people she was put into a home an elderly person's home yeah she was like 16 That's and she was surprisingly common it nearly it's happened to my awful. dad it nearly happened to my dad i had to fight uh, to help these solicitors like fight it and give like a family perspective of why not to put why um the you know the i forget what they're called why why he shouldn't be basically put into an old people's home like so yeah he had an accident when he was 50 became a quadriplegic and they wanted to stick him either in a home for old people yeah which he definitely wasn't old 50 is not old not at all or in a home for people who were um mentally disabled no um a word for it, I can't word. Intellectually disabled? Yes, intellectually, intellectually disabled. disabled. It's like, why would you do, why would you do that to someone who's not, well, their mental faculty, faculties are still there, yeah. it's just that they're physically impaired now, mm-hmm. why would you do that? Like, that yeah. would literally make him go backwards, he would end yeah. up being like that. Not, yeah. Yeah. And this 16 year old girl was growing up in an old person's home. Right. Like, what the hell? Yeah. She was 16 and some of the people there were dying because they were 90. Yeah. And that would, yeah, and been to say surprisingly that, common with MS patients. Yeah. yeah. That's in their th- 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah, and so it happens, and it happens to spinal people too. Like, these other people, met, when my dad had his accident, was in the hospital, there were people younger than him who didn't, who 
you had accidents that weren't covered by TAC or work cover. Yeah. And they were literally going to be stuck in public homes for yeah. old people, disabled, you know, mentally disabled people, because there was no other choice. There's nowhere yeah. else to put them. And these children in the Le- in the Lebensborn program, they were completely healthy children being yeah. raised in a mental institution. Yeah. Past the past the 18th birthday, you would have no understanding of what normal social life is like. Which is probably why they stayed once they were adults. Yeah. Yeah, it's like they would be completely institutionalized. Yeah. Yeah, and not able to function outside. Like Jesus Christ! Like I understand that resources are scant in after war. People don't know what to do with with these things, but. Putting them in a, into a mental institution and leaving them there until after they're an adult is not the way to go. No. But anyway. Um, due to the political attitudes prevailing after the end of the war, the Norwegian government made proposals to forcibly deport 8,000 children and their mothers to Germany. But there were concerns that, de- that the deportees would have no means of livelihood there. Another option was to send them to Sweden. Australia was also considered after the Swedish government declined to accept these people. The Norwegian Norwegian government later shelved such proposals. It's interesting they want to ship them off to Australia. Like, yeah, let's let's make another whole group of convicts. Yeah. <laughs> it's like convict convicts all over again. Ship the ones we don't want off to Australia at the end of the yeah. world. Let's put them in Tasmania, man. Yeah. <laughs> so financial and legal issues. In 1950, 50, Fliffly. Diplomatic relations improved so that the Norwegian government was able to collect child support from identified fathers of war children who were living in West Germany and Austria. As of 1953, such payments were made. Child support from fathers living in East Germany was kept in locked accounts until diplomatic relationships between the two countries was established in 1975. Some of the war children have tried to obtain official recognition for past mistreatment. Supporters claim the discrimination against them equated to an attempt at genocide. In December 1999, 122 war children filed a claim in the Norwegian courts for the failure of the state to protect them as Norwegian citizens. The case was to test the boundaries of the law. Seven persons signed the claim. The courts have ruled such suits as void due to the statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. That's still shitty though. Like it's been too long, so we're not gonna go with, not gonna even address your concerns. Yes, yeah. I think the yeah. statute of limitations is bullshit and should Agreed. be abolished. Yeah. Yeah, like the statute. And I also think the statute of limitations, in a way, works badly for both ways. Like, it works badly for, like, after, a, I don't know, however many years you suddenly can't be convicted of something. Yeah. Or also, oh, you did something not that long ago, and, but you're also really, like, I'm thinking about, um, what's it called? Orange is the New Black. How Piper Chapman was convicted of her crime. But she did not talk about the last season, please don't. Not talking about, no, I'm talking about like the first episode. Okay. <laughs> How she's talking about like she got convicted <laughs> the first ten years, ever. Yeah, yeah. Ten years yeah. after the crime, right? Yeah. But the statute of limitation was twelve. Mm. If she'd gone two more years, she wouldn't have been able to be convicted. In a way, in both cases, it's shit. Mm. <laughs> because like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And she made a mistake. Mm. Piper Chapman made a mistake. She wasn't actually a bad person. 
She was a bad person team for other Piper. reasons. I'm not Team Piper. She's a bad person for other reasons, but the reason she got convicted is not why she is a bad yeah. person. Yeah. yeah, that is true. She's a bad person because she's just an awful person, but yeah. she didn't. That, she is, yeah. But her crime wasn't actually that bad, really. No. Anyway, let me keep going. Um, the wa- law of Norway allows citizens who have experienced neglect or mistreatment by failure of the state to apply for simple compensation, an arrangement that is not subject to the statute of limitations. In July 2004, the government expanded this compensa- compensation program to include war children. 60 years later... Yeah. Yeah, well, if they managed to live out... Those that's what I mean. ...after having such a rough beginning. Exactly. Probably a lot of them were yeah, dead well, at this point. <laughs> who would... Who had experienced... Who had experienced lesser difficulties... The basic rate was equivalent, is set at 20,000 NOC, or which is 2,500 euro or $3,000, for what the Norwegian government terms mobbing or bullying. Those who can document other abuse can receive up to $30,000. That's fuck all. It really is. Yeah. Just a fucking. Yeah, that's awful. On 8th of March 2007, 158 war children were have their right were to have their right their case heard at the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg. They demanded reparations of the equivalent of 1,725,088 NOC, which I think is the Norwegian Norwegian currency. Okay. Each. What they use Krona. It could be Krona, but it's N-O-K on here. It might be Krona. You could be right. What is it? N-O-K. Yeah, it's the Krona. You're right. So, 1,700,000 Krona. Why put the letters backwards? <laughs> it would make more sense to be K. No, it would be N-O for Norway, K yeah. for Krona. Uh, Norwegian Krona. Okay. So, yeah, uh, 1,700,000 1, Krona. So, listeners, please disregard every time Frank said knock. knock. It's Krona. It's Krona. Thanks, Edda. <laughs> the Norwegian government... Of all the random currencies I could possibly... Right? You Krona. You know. Okay, fine. <laughs> a lot of Norwegian fiction. <laughs> the Norwegian government... Continuing. Contested the claim that the children were abused with the consent of the government. In 2008, their case was before the... U- European Court of Human Rights was dismissed, but they were each offered 8,000 euro token from the Norwegian government. Again, it really fuck is all. tokenistic, yeah. isn't it? It's totally fuck yeah. all. Medical experimentation. It's kind of a mockery, really. Yeah, it is. But it also begs the question how much would money would not be a mockery? How much money is enough money? for it not to be tokenistic. Well, there's a difference between, like, eight grand and, like, 500,000. Yeah. You know, still, like, nothing is ever going to make up for what's been done. Mm. But eight grand? Yeah, true. Come on. (laughs) True. Um, Medical experimentation. In conjunction with the 99 claim by the war children, a motion was filed in September 2000 alleged, alleging that 10 war children were subject to experiments with LSD, approved by the Norwegian government and financed by the CIA. Yeah, Funny right. about that! 
Not like we haven't already spoken about that before. Are you about to go to the rest? No, we already spoke about this. What was Frank's it? Like what, literally what, twitchy. What was the article we spoke about? I mentioned we talked about this before. Yes. MK Ultra. Yes. Yes. This that is MK Ultra. Yeah. <laughs> MK Ultra. What episode? Like the CIA and. LSD is kind of like your kryptonite or something. <laughs> right? You kind of go, ah! Frank no, 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 no. My kryptonite is, is the... I know. Is, you know what it is. What is it? Spontaneous yeah. human combustion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 it's so stupid! <laughs> it's so stupid! It's like, how the fuck? What? Why does this even deserve an article of such length? Episode 13, Spontaneous Human Combustion. You know what else is also my kryptonite is um, fucking Fucking. moon conspiracies. I know. (laughs) I wanted to do that for when it was like the anniversary of the moon landing, Um, but we were far too busy. Yeah, MKUltra we covered back in episode 5. Wow, that was ages ago. I know, right? MKUltra, I feel like it was only only yesterday we did (laughs) MKUltra. It was August 2018. (laughs) That was a long time ago. That was over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In post-war years, medical staff in several European countries and in the States conducted clinical trials or experimental treatment involving LSD, most of them at some point between 1950 and 70. In Norway, trials involved volunteer patients under a protocol after traditional medical treatments had been proved unsuccessful. Apparently, 10 of them were war children. Acknowledgement and apology. Since the the mid-80s, the fate of the war children has become well known in Norway. The government of Norway has acknowledged its neglect of them. The Prime Minister of Norway apologised publicly in his New Year's Eve speech in 2000. As adults, the 150 former Lebensborn children are suing for reparations and damages from the Norwegian government. Norwegian government, sorry. For failing to protect and discriminating against them. It's interesting. The most famous of Norway's war children is Annie Fried Leng- Lengstad, the former ABBA singer. Yes. Apparently really? she was Anna a war. Fried. Apparently she was an, a war child. There you go. There you go. By, by marriage, she is Princess Annie Fried Roos of Plauen. By marriage. Apparently she's a princess by marriage. Yeah. I did not know this. And there are many, there are many, what's it called? countries that did this like i'm just looking at the list in this it's obviously norway who spoke a lot about norway but denmark as well french france finland greece netherlands there's lots and there's other it's not just i'm not going to go much further into this unless you want me to but there are other instances it's not just european war it's not just world war ii so it's got eurasians so people of mixed Asian European ancestry, especially administrations in India and Southeast Asian countries. In many cases, the father was a colonial civil servant, settler or military officer based in an occupied Asian country, while the mother was a local. The term Eurasian is used, but has variants depending on the country of origin and nationality of the parents. Examples include the Burgers. Burgers? Burgers, B-U-R-G-H-E-R. Burgers, burgers, Portuguese or Dutch in Sri Lanka, the Kristang, usually Portuguese in Malaysia, and Anglo Indians or the British in India. Hmm. Uh, 
and there's a Merry Asians, which are a hundred thousand, probably more than a hundred thousand children have been born into Asian mothers and U.S. servicemen in Asia. This occurred chiefly during World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War. Some of these children were born to mothers raped by men living on several U.S. military bases in the region during World War II. Collectively, these children are known as Ameri-Asians, a term coined by author Pearl S. Buck. This article is pretty massive. Yeah. Yeah. There's also another term called the Lai Dai Han. It is a Vietnamese term for mixed ancestry person born to a South Korean father and a Vietnamese mother, including the victims of sexual assault by Korean soldiers during the Vietnam War. They often live at the margins of Vietnamese society. The number, exact number of Lai Dai Han is unknown, but there are at least 5,000 and as many as 30,000. Psychological assistance? No, there's a, a sentence. <laughs> what is that sentence, Frank? That sentence says, Psychological assistance and help to find lost family members by publishing on the internet is granted by the German Association. Krieg's kind. Situ- situation of mothers, war children and fathers. Prevention. The recognition in 1989 that violence against women in the form of rape was a deliberate military strategy and the human rights abuse led to the approval of an international convention on the rights of the child. Since 2008, the United Nations Security Council banned such sexual violations, defining them as a war crime. But it took 2008 for it to be defined as a war crime. That's very late. Mm. Um, Integration. One author suggested that adoption and assimilation of a child into a new family might be a solution to prevent war children from growing up as unwanted and mobbed by people in hostile environments. The sheer number of children suggests this is impractical. So if you think about like 5,000 children as a small estimate, Mm. how are you going to like home 5,000 children into new families quickly? Baby (laughs) farm. Pay them. <laughs> yeah, pay them. But that would, but that would, that's a problem though. Because if you, something that I learnt in school, if is that a lot of the children who lived in London during the Blitz in World War Two were sent to far to homes in the country, right? But the people who took these children in the country were paid, right? They were paid by the government to mm. take in these children. And that's all well and good, except that a lot of them were ended up, the city children were often used as cheap labour. Yeah. Because the family was getting paid to take in these children. So saying we're going to pay you to adopt these kids is not, it's obviously from the baby farms, and from this mm. is not the way to go. Don't pay people to do that. Yeah. Because you just end up exploiting the kids. True. Yes, and people only take the children because they're going to get something out of it. Exactly. And they're clearly not good people. Mm. And shouldn't raise them children. Okay. Uh, war children's ignorance of origins. Often war children never understood the reason they were being isolated or mistreated. They did not learn their father's identities until later in life or by chance by comments of their classmates, relatives or neighbours when they needed official documents such as a family register or after their mothers had died. In most cases, when war children tried to learn identities of their biological fathers a year later, the searches were usually difficult and often in vain. Can you imagine being bullied all your life and not knowing why? Mm. Mm -hmm. And then finding out later 
Why? Why? <laughs> but like, but like, after your mother had already died, like, or when you find trying to get your birth certificate. Yeah. yeah. Like, what the hell? Anything else interesting? Let's leave it there. Okay. Alright. Did you find that interesting? You sounded a bit bored. I am a little bit bored. It's not dark enough. It's not dark enough? <laughs> War children are dark enough for you? <laughs> hey, I did baby farming. Well, I didn't do it, but... <laughs> did you? No. Did you do baby farming, Scout? No. Did you farm a baby? Not worth it. Did you put a baby seed into the ground and yeah. cover it with soil and out popped a baby? I do you have some gardening to do? <laughs> but anyway... I feel like your stories were very similar. They were. They were. They? We're on the topic of babies this what this Are you fortnight. Tell us all something. No. no. <laughs> Not we're getting a baby. We're getting no. kittens. No. no. <laughs> we already have four it's cats. Kitten season. I know, but I know. I keep seeing all the pictures of baby kittens. They need foster they're so carers. cute, and they need foster carers. But no, we already have many animals in this house. We have more rooms. We can set up a kitten nursery. No. 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 <laughs> no. As much as the kittens. I much as I would love to do that. No. The kittens need us. No. <laughs> okay. The kittens need someone. But not, not us. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, War Children the the Lebensborn program was interesting because it was about mm. like yes. racially pure. Yeah, I am interested in no, that sounds wrong. I'm interested in, you, in you, eugenics. You, yeah, yeah. But like eugenics. It's very fascinating though. Uh, but if you think about it like scientifically, it makes sense. Well, it it kind of does, but the way it that, doesn't. It, Blonde-haired, blue-eyed people. That's and, not the point. That's no. not the point of eugenics. Eugenics, the whole idea is creating like a strong, pure, not necessarily pure, but a strong population of people. Superhuman. Yeah, superhumans. I get that, but something's going to bring them down. Like there's going to be a fault. You're not going to make a perfect you, no. superhuman. It's about being the ev- evolutionarily correct as possible yeah. right and but some people took that as going okay <laughs> nazis <laughs> took that as going okay well we think these particular people are the are the superhumans or are the evolutionarily better humans right Supreme. yeah so it, it why because they thought hair and blue eyes yeah, and white skin yeah and... yeah mm-hmm. essentially people are taking eugenics the idea of eugenics too far yes and and Eugenics in itself is an awful idea because it also implies that some humans who are evolutionary, who are in quotation marks evolutionarily deficient, aren't meant to continue the population, which is stupid they and have awful. Zero value. Yeah, is awful in of itself. But people take it too far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, people take really everything too far. But I don't know. I don't think I don't think that could work. Do I think what could work? Like breeding for to make superhumans. There's going yeah. to be a fault somewhere. You're going to end up with people with their heads on backwards. That's something. why inbreeding is, yeah. and that's why the whole keeping the royal line pure, as in like. It's a really fucking it, stupid. It's idea. really stupid. Don't they have like? What's that thing they've all got? Hemophilia. Yeah. So the reason for that is Victor- Queen Victoria had a lot of babies. Yeah. A lot of babies. She had like more than 10 kids or something. Yeah. And what she did with all those babies is she shipped them off to all the royal families all over Europe, which means all the royal families are all related to each other. Yeah. They keep inbreeding with each other because we want to keep the royal lines pure. And that's when you get hemophilia. Yeah. And inbreeding causes, other can stuff. cause other stuff. Yeah. And that's... Kind of what's going to happen if you keep trying to breed a pure race. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's no, It's not going to be without fault. No. Especially if you keep your gene pool small. Right. If you keep Which your gene pool could... big, it might be okay. <laughs> maybe maybe why all the young princes are, like, traveling the world to find new brides. True. It's maybe that, that that's what that's I wonder. True. It's like, is Queen Elizabeth okay with them not marrying within royalty? Yeah. Is she, though? I think she's probably smart enough to realise that yeah. they stop inbreeding yeah. before they fucking kill themselves out. Yeah, yeah there's going to be no one to hand the line down to. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's smart enough to realise that, too. Yeah. She's yeah. not stupid. No, no, she's not. She's very... I love the Queen, we all know this. She's <laughs> and she's very fucking lived smart. In, with modern science. Yeah. You know, she's she's seen so many she's, she's, she's such a matriarch, though. She's But she's seen... Like, was she nearly 100 already? Like, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, she's like, like 94. Yeah, like she is, look at how much she has seen in her time. Well, she, she was the queen after her father passed away quite young. Yeah, her so father, she was very young when she She was 20. Queen. Yeah. And her father passed away not long after the Second World War because he came in just as the Second World War had yeah. started. Or just before the Second World War had started. And yeah, he was quite young. He died of lung cancer, I think, mm. from chronic chain smoking. Yeah. Yeah, she was. She hit her golden jubilee. Would have been a few years ago now. It would have been. 2003? Yeah. Really? She was coronated in 1953. 1953. Yeah, yeah, golden jubilee is 50. That's been a while. Yeah. Wow. She's been she on the born, throne. She's currently 93. She is the same age as my grandmother. 93. Completely outlived my oh, grandparents. It's one of the things mama's always, my mum has always wanted to see as a coronation. Yeah. Because when a coronation happens, all the jewels come out. Yeah. yeah. And mum wants to I've see all the, the jewellery. Now, we go to the Tower of London. Yeah. And they have them, some of them on display. Not, not all, all of them. Because there's a lot. <laughs> they have a lot of jewellery. Um, but yeah, inbreeding and war children, and yeah, how is it not dark enough? What? How is it not dark it's enough? It's dark. Talking about the children who were born as a result of oh. war. Yeah. Like, if war didn't happen, these children wouldn't exist. I don't know, I think this world is so fucked up, it really takes a lot to surprise me these days. Yeah, and that's, that's part of the reason why it's so hard as well to find articles that scare or freak out scout in particular or even surprise yeah, yeah because I look at articles and go oh, that's actually not that bad or, oh yeah whatever By comparison yeah it's so much worse yeah yeah, yeah. I've think... been reading about the dark web this week so yeah I think that my best one so far has been Junko Furuta right I was literally just thinking that of all episodes that have been like holy shit that's for one Junko Furuta, Junko Furuta. Which Junko. I think was episode Japanese, yeah. Japanese girls episode just listened to that like, really? I was like what the fuck this is, that is the it's only one I've literally put a content warning on which is right in front of me yeah. um, because I was a little bit shocked yeah it was episode horrific 14. that was one it's only of the 23 most minute episodes I've ever heard yeah, yeah it's pretty messed up but yeah I've got a content warning this episode is extremely graphic involving brutal human torture rape and death this is the darkest episode yeah I still think it's probably our darkest yeah. episode and I I'm oddly and proud that, that was me yeah that was you <laughs> I still will never it's get over stone babies 
Stone Babies is you my favorite. Stone Babies is my favorite <laughs> episode secret. ever. You're a secret secret. Because it freaked you out so much. She was like, babies. what if I have a stone baby? <laughs> Not possible, but yeah, it still scares me. Have a stone baby. <laughs> stone babies. The human body is fucking fascinating. Yes. Humans as a general rule are awful. But the human body is great. <laughs> Horrible. But fascinating. Yes. My, one of my favourite ones is still episode three, Johnny Gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Individual people don't fascinate me as much. I like the ones about people. What I else? think a lot of my ones were people, actually. Incidents at Disney's Disney one was fun. It's a bit lame. It's a lame, but it was kind of fun. <laughs> oh, oh uh, I blast I confess that's the one episode that I couldn't actually get all the way through. Yeah. Like, boring, yeah. Bored. Yeah, yeah sorry. That's fair. <laughs> I loved Last Meal as well. Last Meal was fun. Yeah. Um, Poltergeist, Jeff, and Tina Resch was Jeff. hilarious. My name is Jeff. Jeff. I don't even remember that. <laughs> maybe you need to listen to our, to our episodes. Maybe. I think when we get to episode 40, maybe we have to have like a, a revisit, a recap, a flashback, a best of. Yes. Yeah. Ooh, yes, that's a good idea. Alright, let's leave it, let's <laughs> leave it there. I got some editing to do to get yeah. out the, oh, let's get out some episodes. Shower. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's reason to go. Yeah. I've almost run out of popcorn, so... Yeah, we're done. We're done. You're out of popcorn. It's time to go. Okay. Thank you for letting me ramble about War Children, even though it was kind of boring. No, I think think that'll that'll interest some people who are into that kind of history. Yeah, I mean, I didn't read the entire War Children article, because it's a big article. Yeah, but again, I'll post the link. Go have a look if if you want to investigate more. Get into a wiki hole. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, people were shit. Again. Again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll leave it there then. Okay. Thank you, patrons. Yes, thank you, patrons. Thanks for joining us, Xander. Yeah, thank you. No Thanks, doggos who are sleeping. <laughs> Sleepy doggos. Yeah. No. Okay. Thanks, Frank. For That's okay. Some more children. More children. I don't thank me for the war children. <laughs> I didn't make the war children. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. You know, time travel? No. <laughs> what if you were? What if I was? <laughs> Alrighty. Is it? Eleven o'clock. Pete, we're not time traveling. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Okay. Good night, everybody. That's not what you say. That's what I'm saying now. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>